0: Hey, this is Scott Taylor. I am so glad that you have joined us. I'm the pastor of Turning Point Church, and we would love to connect with you. You can connect with us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, at TPCGVL, or you could text the word CONNECT to 864-479-4483. We've got a word for you today that I hope challenges you and inspires you. This morning, um, the message that I'm going to bring to you if you're new here or if you've been here for a while is is almost, um, it's almost embarrassing how simple it is. But the message that I have for you today is just a simple, simple concept, but just because something is simple does not mean it's easy. How many of you know that? Like it's simple to be in shape, it's simple to eat right. It's simple to do those things that we know we should do, but how many know it's hard to turn down cheeseburgers and milkshakes and double-stuffed Oreo cookies? And I went to the chocolate shop yesterday. Mm. The white-covered chocolate-covered like pretzel sticks. Like if if you want God to bless you, I'm just saying. And if you don't know where the chocolate shop is, you just need to Google it and your life will change. I'm telling you, it's good stuff. So that's free advertisement, not paid. Um, But it's simple doesn't mean that it's easy. And this concept of finding joy in forgiveness is a simple, simple concept. And it's so simple to do. Doesn't necessarily mean it's easy to do. But it's so simple because all the work's already been done for you. Like, you don't have to do any work to accept salvation, to accept God's forgiveness. All you have to do is just ask. All you have to do is take the next step and just walk in the goodness of God, to walk in the freedom of God. That's it. That's all you have to do. But it's difficult because you have to accept, you have to change, and you have to actually walk in what God's calling you to do. So it's simple. But it can be difficult, and the reason it's difficult is it goes against our sinful nature. It goes against our human nature. So like I said earlier, I had someone try to tell me how I was supposed to worship. Listen, you're not going to tell me, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Tell me who you think you are, right? But it can be difficult because all we have to do is yield, and we don't want to yield. We want to be in charge, don't we? And so today's message is very, very simple. I'm going to just tell you a story, and then we're going to relate it back to God's truth. But I've got the word joy highlighted here because joy is something that, well, it can be difficult to find. Not everything that makes you happy will bring you joy. And sometimes we confuse those two things. Sometimes we confuse happiness with joy. And happiness is not joy. It's not the same thing. Like, there are some things that I can do that make me feel happy in the moment, but make me miserable after. And there are things that are in your life spiritually that may make you happy Right? Like you sin, the, the, the sin that we enter into, the, the temptations that we think we can't live without. Those, those giving into those temptations, they may bring pleasure. The Bible says it brings pleasure for a season, but it does not last. And so what I want to do today is I want to talk to you about joy. And it's really a discipline that you have to have in your life to stop the things, like you've got to put up the barrier for the things that will take you away from that. And you've got to accept the things that will do. So we're going to look at three verses here. And found in Psalm chapter 51, verses 10 through 13. It says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Steadfast, that determined spirit, that I'm not going to quit spirit. Do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. And here it is in blue restore to me the joy of your salvation. You can have joy, and that joy is found in salvation that comes from God. And uphold me by your generous spirit, spirits capitalized, Holy Spirit, then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. Now, these are the verses we're going to we're going to focus on in Psalm 51 but I would encourage you if you want some encouragement that you know what you can do this if you want some encouragement that you know what you don't know what I did last night all right or you don't know my habits you don't know what I'm going through you don't know what I'm dealing with you don't know what I'm struggling with I would encourage you to go and read Psalm chapter 51 because Psalm chapter 51 comes from King David and King David who we know was made king because he was a man after God's own heart. And so King David had this triumphal entry into being a king, like God used him greatly. God did so many things for him. He's the one that beat Goliath, and he, you know, when, when King Saul was trying to, to take him out, was trying to kill him, God protected him, and God made him like a ninja, Right? Like you should go and read about that in First Samuel and Second Samuel. God, God like made him a ninja like he couldn't, like King Saul was asleep and David would go through like a ninja and cut off part of his, his, uh, his robe or I won't tell you what else, but he would cut off part of his robe and he would later on show him part of the robe and he's like, you don't know, look. And so God blessed David. But David, we find, writes this, "Creating me a clean heart. Give me a steadfast spirit. Don't cast me away from your presence. Don't take the Holy Spirit from me. And the reason for that is because David messed up. Aren't you glad to know that one of the most popular people in the Bible messed up? And so if you're familiar with the story, we find it in 2 Samuel and David was king, his nation was at war, and he went up to his rooftop one evening. Probably shouldn't have been there during that time, because it was a time when other people would be on their rooftops and they would be bathing, and he was up on the rooftop and he saw this beautiful woman over in the distance and she was taking a bath, and, and he liked what he saw, so he calls her over the next day, he finds out a little bit about her, and her name is Bathsheba, which, you know, she's taking a bath, so Bathsheba, anyway. So she was taking a bath and she was beautiful and he desired her but he found out that she was married to Uriah who was a soldier in his army and Uriah was away at war but that didn't stop King David because he's the king called her over to the palace and they enter into this affair and it went a little too far because the affair produced a pregnancy and here's King David who's supposed to be this godly man Who's supposed to be this man after God's own heart, who's known for hearing and understanding the deep things of God. He's known for being God's servant. He's known for having victory and God's hand on his life, and he messed up. So he's trying to decide, well, what am I going to do? How am I going to get out of this? Because, you know, her husband, Uriah, has been away at war for some time now. She's going to end up pregnant. Everybody's going to know it wasn't Uriah. So they're going to suspect and they're going to wonder. And the people in the palace may put it together. What am I going to do? Oh, I got it. We'll bring Uriah home because I need a report from the battlefront. That's what I'll do. How many of you know that when you are trying to uh, hide your sin and you're trying to justify what you've done, that you will kind of make things up and you'll go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into deception? Because it'll take you further than you really intended to go. And so here was David. He he makes this plan where Uriah's going to come. He gives him a report and he says, Hey, buddy. I know you've been at war for a while so why don't you go home to your wife go home spend some time with your wife then you can go back to the battle well Uriah was a man of character he was a man of conviction so he goes back and he doesn't go into his house he wouldn't even go into the house he wouldn't sleep in the same house where his wife was why because his men his brothers were in battle and so he sleeps outside on his doorstep, refusing to even go in. And King David's like, what are you doing, man? You're messing things up. Calls him back in and says, look, you really need to go spend some time of your wine. Same thing, goes out, sleeps on the doorstep, not going to happen. He messes up the king's plan to cover up his sin. So he sends him back to the, to the battle, and he sends an order to, to Uriah's superiors to put him on the front line of battle, knowing that he would die. And so here is King David. A man after God's own heart. A man that was supposed to be, was known for, was looked up to as a godly man. Who God had obviously used. And he's now committed two of the big no-nos. Adultery and murder. What's he going to do now? So the... He sends Uriah, Uriah dies on the battlefront, King David is so gracious and brings Bathsheba into his fold, they eventually get married, all is well, David's like, got by with that one, until God revealed to the prophet Nathan what David had done. You need to understand this because God, even though that God revealed it to the prophet Nathan, and during this time, the prophet would have held a very high esteem in the kingdom. Like the king was the ultimate power. And he could off with your head just like that because he felt like it. And so, you sorry, Nathan, the prophet, had to go to David, but he couldn't just go in you know, challenging and and just confronting and right in your face because it was still a king. Of, it was still one of the most powerful men in the world at the time. And let's just pause for a second and say this: There are people that are in your life that you know are making the wrong decisions. There are people that are in your life that you know are just like, "What are you doing, man? What are you doing?" And it usually starts off with, you know, hanging out with the wrong crowd, going to the wrong places, evangelism, dating for those that are single. Maybe you're married and you start sharing with someone of the opposite sex and they relate to you. No, you got to put boundaries up in your life. But you see somebody in your life and they're messing up and you think it's your job to correct them. It's not. In my 30 years of ministry, there have been many, many times when I've had to go to someone and confront them about their lifestyle or about decisions they were making. And my wife will tell you, I'm fairly confrontational. I don't mind having a conversation with you about whatever it is. But early on in my ministry, it was more about confronting the issue. It was more about confronting what was wrong. It was about the confrontation. The older I've gotten, the longer I've lived, the more I've gone through, that's changed. Now it's not so much about confronting the thing and doing what you're doing wrong, and it's more about the person and the heart and the soul of the person. And when we confront people about something in their life, we should not confront them in a way that makes us look like we're holy and perfect. We should not do it in a way that makes us appear as though we've got all the answers. We should do it in humility. We should do it with a heart of love and a heart for the person not being a rule keeper. And we've talked a lot about being a rule keeper lately. I just want to say that. So God sends the prophet to King David to confront King David. And you may think that's a bad thing, but listen, this is something that's changed in me. When we think about the word discipline, when we're not talking about the discipline of eating and doing the, but we think about discipline your child and God disciplined one of his children, you may think of it as punishment. You may think of it as giving a whooping, right? For those of you that are not from the South, that's a spanking. For those of you who don't know what that is, Google it, right? But Maybe you don't want to I don 't know, but God's discipline isn't about doing something to you he wants to do something for you like God wants to do something for you. He wants to do something through you. And we've got to stop thinking about God's disciplining when he's disciplining us. We've got to stop thinking about it as a punishment. We've got to stop thinking about it as something that God's doing to us. No, 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 no. God wants to do something for you. God wants to do something through you. There's something more that God wants for your life than you'll ever be able to accomplish on your own. Because when you're living in sin, And as long as you have sin in your life that's unrepented, listen to me, you'll never be able to fully accomplish what God wants to do in your life. That's why we got to keep a clean record with God. That's why it's really important that we stay humble and on our face before God and that we pray to God and that we ask Him to make sure we're in tune with Him. So the prophet goes to the king tells a story, he tells a parable about one shepherd to another man and how the one person was really unjust and how he treated the other one and he gets the king all fired up. And he tells the story as if it was a real story, like this really happened. And he did, he just changed the names and the circumstances. But he's talking about David and what he had done. Well, King David gets all fired up from the store, and he's like, you need to bring this guy in here. I'm going to have his head. I'm going to deal with him. See the self-righteousness? I'm going to deal with him. And then the prophet looks at him and says, hey, you're that man. That was a risky moment. Because it was in that moment, King David could say, I'm a who? I'm a what? Off with his head. But listen to me. Please hear what I'm about to say. You can make a mistake and God still use you. You can make a mistake and God still loves you. And it's in that moment you've got a decision to make. Are you going to try to stand on your own two feet and you decide what's right? Or Are you going to surrender yourself to God's will and follow what He says is right? Because you can't have both. And in that moment, David, rather than rising up and using his earthly power as king, his earthly seat as king, he says, you're right. And he repents. And that's where we get Psalm chapter 51 from. That's where... David just pours his heart out to God and says, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm sorry for who I've been. Can I just tell you that if you're a believer, you're a follower in Christ, you should be different. And I realize that the world has lost its mind. And right now, The world's kind of a scary place because there ain't nothing in order. Right? You better watch what happens in Israel because that matters. And I am pretty convinced that we're in the last days. And I realize that my grandma said we're in the last days and my great grandma said we're in the last days. But it ain't ever been what it is now. And The world seems like a dark place. But light and darkness do not exist in the same place. Light and darkness cannot exist in the same place. And even the smallest, if we were to turn all the lights out in here and we were to turn all the electronics off so there was no glow of any kind and it were just pitch black and I've walked in here in the dark enough to know that it gets dark. And I were to take the smallest little pin flashlight, and I were to click it on, you know what it would do? It would break the darkness. Even the smallest amount of light pierces the darkness. And we as followers of Jesus are to be the light. We're to be the light that God shines through. We're to be his representative, right? Jesus talked about it. Jesus spoke to them again saying, "'I am the light of the world.'" He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. How many of you know that Like, light is necessary for life, both physical and spiritual? So if you were to take the jungle, right, or you were to take a deep forest where the canopy of the trees are just always shining, they're always covering and blocking the sun, what grows on the, on the floor of the forest or what grows on the floor of the jungle is like moss and, and trees, the plants that don't need light. And there's no life, there's no plant that's going to go away from, right? Like it, it's drawn toward. The world would be very different if we didn't have sunlight. It's what helps bring all that around. But if you've got darkness and you've got shade, there's nothing healthy going to grow down here. Only things like moss and the the plants that don't need a lot of light are what's going to grow. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Like light, the spiritual light that we have through Christ is necessary for spiritual life. And when you go into your workplace, when you go into your neighborhood, when you go into your family reunion, hello, you need to be the light that shines into that situation. It's up to you. It's up to us. I wouldn't have done it this way. I've already told you this. If I were God, I wouldn't use y'all. I've been in ministry for 30 years. People are frustrating. Right? Am I wrong? And sometimes it's very difficult to get an organization that relies almost 100% on volunteer staff, volunteer people to come and do and work and be in part. and. I wouldn't do it that way. If I were God, I would just... Anyway, I'm not. Thank goodness. But spiritual light is necessary for a spiritual life. What I'm here to tell you today is that you've got to want to grow deeper and then you've got to have the discipline to grow deeper. You've got to embrace God's word. You've got to embrace worship. You've got to bring. You've got to give. You've got to serve. And you've got to have godly community in your life. Jesus is talking again, and this is condemnation, that the light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light. Sound familiar? Sound like today's society? We love what we love. We do what we do. We we justify how we act. We justify our situation. We justify our decisions because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. That's what happened with David. His deeds... His sins were exposed. And just because God exposes, and just because God corrects, and just because God disciplines, doesn't mean you're out of the game. God didn't look at David because you messed up two of the big ones, right? Just because that happened and God exposed him and and God corrected him and God rebuked him and God disciplined him, God didn't say, all right, you're cut off no more. And in the same way that God didn't just cut them off and cut them out, listen to me. David didn't say, I've messed up. I'm no good. I'm out. See ya. The problem is, we think that God will cut us off. We think that God is so disappointed We think that God is so upset, so mad, so fed up, so put out with us that he won't. There's just no way God can use us again. And we just walk away. We abandon our faith. And we abandon God's word. And we abandon the community that God has placed around us. And we abandon all the things that we're supposed to do that brings us up spiritually. And we walk away from it. And we've seen more of that in the last couple of years than ever before. So let's look at this again. Let's look at what God is going to do through us. Let's look at what David's prayer was. And I would encourage us to just go through and read the whole Psalm 51. It's not, it's not that long. And look at his prayer. I want you to imagine like David pouring his heart out to God. Create in me a pure heart, right? Renew a steadfast spirit, that determined spirit. Cast me, do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation. David may have been happy that he thought he got away with it, but he lost his joy. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me, then I will teach transgressors your ways, and this is super important. Here's what he's saying. Creating me a clean heart. God, I'm dirty on the inside. God, I know that I've messed up. And God, will you cleanse me, purify me, purify my desires. If you're struggling with something, If you're struggling with a temptation, you're struggling with a bad habit, you're struggling with places to go, things you look at, things you do, people, like you're gonna have to have some discipline. But God can help you. The Holy Spirit can help you. Just ask him to take that thing away, take that desire away. Renew a steadfast spirit. You've heard me say this before, like God, if you ask God for the desire to live for him, he'll give you that. But you gotta give him the discipline. But look at his top desire here. This is what it's all about. God, don't cast me away from your presence. God, I can't do life without you. It's like Moses said, Lord, if if you're going to send us and not go with us, then don't send us at all. It should be our prayer. It should be our, our mindset in life. God, I can't, I don't want to go through this life without you, God. If you're gonna send me somewhere and you're not going with me, then I'm not gonna go at all. And of course he won't. He's always with us. Then I take your Holy Spirit from me. And this was the Old Testament. David wasn't even living in the promise that we have today because of Jesus ascending to the heaven to heaven after his crucifixion and resurrection. Now the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. The power to live right, the power to do right, that's within us. But look at what David said, don't take your Holy Spirit from me and restore to me the joy of your salvation. I'm gonna say this again. The things that make you happy aren't necessary to the things that bring you joy. We need to understand that. We need to understand that. Back to our list. Sustain me by your generous spirit. You know what that means? Listen, we think it's up to us. We think it's up to our power, our work, our talent, our bank account, our car, our house. We think it's about us and what we can do. Uh Uh-uh. Sustain me by your generous spirit, God. I can't do this without you. And then look, then I will teach transgressors your ways. That's that spirit thing we got to go to, right? That's what I was talking about earlier. When Nathan went to King David, he went in the right way. He went in the right spirit. He taught the transgressor God's ways. He confronted him, but he did it in love. He didn't confront it in a condemning way. He did it in in a loving way. And look, the result is, and by the way, you have nothing to do with this other than being the tool. You can't change people. You can't convert people. You can't make them feel guilty. Sinners will be converted. That's ministry. Can I just say that even in 2023, as advanced as we are, this is why the world needs the church. The church, the local church, is the hope of the world. The local church is the hope of this community. The local church is the hope of your workplace, of your neighborhood, of your family. And you have to be the light. It's God's designed. It's how he planned it. I don't agree with it because it's not the way I would do it. But you know what? God's smarter than me. And so it's worked. I just want to encourage you today. You can live a life forgiven. You hear me? This is what people struggle with. You can live a life forgiven. People struggle, even if they've been serving God for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, or two days. People struggle with this forgiven aspect. How can, because you ain't God. And just because you hold on to a grudge doesn't mean that's God's nature. That's not God's nature, by the way. So I'll go ahead and address it. Living a forgiven life is living a forgiving life. You need to hear what I'm about to say because I'm about fixing it. You know, I I get Southern when I get spiritual, right? It's like we've talked about before. Me holding a grudge against Jamie is like me setting myself on fire and hoping he dies with smoke inhalation. It doesn't make sense. And if you're going to live a forgiven life, you need to live a forgiving life. And you need to release and let that go. And you better believe, I'll say it out loud, that in five years of a church plant, I've had to release and forgive a lot of people. You can live in freedom. What does freedom mean? Freedom doesn't mean you can go do anything you want to do. That's not freedom. Freedom is living within the boundaries of God's word and God's ways. That's what freedom is. And your freedom is found in Christ's forgiveness. That's how, you're, that's how you live free. That's it. If you don't know anything else I say, I just wanted you to hear me say this. You can live a forgiven life, but you're gonna have to let go. That's what it's about. You're gonna have to let go of control. You're gonna have to let go of the grudge, the anger. You're gonna have to let go of the habit. You may have to let go of the person because I'm just here to tell you that living this freedom and Christ's forgiveness is way more important than anybody here on earth, anything here on earth, any moment of pleasure. You can live And it's simple, just not easy. How do you do that? Stand with me, please. If you're in the room today, or if you're watching us online, then you'll text this word next to that number, 479-4483. We'll give you today, we'll give you a bucket, or we'll send you one in the mail. Just give us your address. And it's just a simple concept to help you start. Can I just tell you something? You need to hear this. You're in a place right now that doesn't expect you to be perfect after you come to Christ. You're gonna make mistakes. I make mistakes. I lose my temper. Say things I shouldn't say. I don't don't cuss, but I say things I shouldn't say. Sometimes I can be a little firm with people. It's a nice way to say it. You're going to make mistakes. You're not in a place where you're expected to be perfect. And if somebody comes to you that's here, that comes to you in a way that expects you to be perfect, you come to me and I'll take care of it. I'll be nice, but firm. Sit in a perfect place, but you can't stay there. You gotta grow. And this will help you start. We've said this 100,000 times probably. Don't let the start stop you. Take your next step. We're not gonna broadcast it and put it all over social media. Woo, Eric, Eric got saved today, y'all. It's awesome. He was such. Ooh, mm, you know what I mean? Right, we're not gonna do that. But you're gonna have somebody that's here for you to help you through it. And this is just the start. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're in the room today, Please make the decision to follow Christ. It's so simple, but it won't be easy. But it's so much better than trying to do it on your own. Because you can live a forgiven life, you just have to accept Him. If that's you today, here's what what I want you to do Just, just raise your finger. High enough for me to see it. Make eye contact with me. You don't have to come to the front. We're not going to make you do anything like that. Just to say, I want to. I want to be forgiven. I want to be free. I'm tired of carrying the burden and the stuff. Can I say crap in church? I'm tired of carrying the crap in church that I've been carrying in my life. I just want to live for you. Anybody else would say that? Maybe you'll text this word next. Maybe you'll go to the back and grab a book. Maybe you'll text it and we'll send you one online. Anybody else before we go? I'm gonna pray for us. Heavenly Father, God, in the name of Jesus, we come to you now. We ask, Lord, that you would, you would just... Continue to work in our lives. God, I know you're working in the room. And Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would wrap your arms around them, and draw them to your presence, God. And my heart is so, so, so heavy for people that they would live for you and accept your forgiveness, Lord. And so, Lord, I'm just going to pray a prayer, and maybe the person, the people in the room. I know we had one raise their hand. I know the people in the room. God, maybe they'll pray this prayer and let us know, because there's got to be accountability, right? Somebody that's helping walk alongside. But God, I pray this prayer. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner, and God, I need to be forgiven. And Jesus, I know You died on the cross for me, and I ask You to forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. And Lord, help me to live for you every day of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Listen, thank you so much for being here. If you would like one of these books, we would love to give you one. We'd love to send you one if you're online with us. We invite you to stay. Um, Bless the food in Jesus' name. The food is blessed, right? There will be things to do kids. They'll have a blast. We love you guys. We'll see you next week.